A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Leighton Hewitt, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and supported by BNP Paribas, the bank for a changing world. It is day one of the Davis Cup here, and it has been thrilling from start to finish. But the scoreline is pretty much as we would have expected after day one. One rubber apiece overnight going into Saturday's doubles. Gilles Simon getting the first rubber on the board against James Ward in straight sets, and then Andy Murray replying in similarly emphatic style in the second rubber of the day. My name is David Law from BBC Radio 5 Live. I'm joined by Catherine Whittaker, who is here sitting alongside me. Catherine, we're right next to the court. We could touch. If I just leaned over this little wall here, I could touch the grass courts that have been so beautifully prepared by our groundsman, Graham Kimpton, after just four or five weeks following uh, the Aegon Championships at Queen's Club. And we're sitting, Catherine, on the team bench of Great Britain at the moment. Have we got away with this? I would recommend you don't lean over and touch the grass because Mr. Graham Crimpton is actually in our eye line and is keeping a close eye on us. I can see that. And I, I can tell you, he doesn't want anyone going near the, that grass. I think it pained him to see players walk out <laughs> on it. I think the effort he put into making these courts pristine in the space of three weeks. I mean, that's what he spends a whole year doing and he did it in three weeks. And and uh, I think he was devastated by the uh, Davis Cup rule that uh, all players from both teams have to be able to practice on the court. Uh, for, I think it's for an hour and a half a day per team before the match for, for three days before the match, I think. So he was devastated that when that first match ball was struck today, the, uh, the court wasn't in pristine condition. But for anyone watching on the telly three days ago, you wouldn't believe it, but this court wasn't absolutely immaculate condition and you have to say even even with a few days of practice we're looking at the court now and even after two matches it looks in really good nick doesn't it there are a few little foot marks and brown marks near the baseline but if you looked at i did a before and after picture on twitter showing what it looked like on the final day during the tournament at queens here a few weeks ago it was it's unrecognizable from that day what uh, what Graham has managed to do. Now, in today's episode of the Tennis Podcast, we're going to be hearing from Arnaud Clement, the captain of the French team. We're going to be hearing as well from the We Are Tennis fan academies of both Great Britain and France. We'll be hearing some singing from those two sets of supporters, and my word, they make a din. Now, 
First off, we had uh, James Ward taking on Gilles Simon. Now, we've seen some heroics from James Ward in the past. There were a couple of flickers, particularly late on in that second set when he managed to get a couple of, uh, well, he almost got a couple of break points on Simon's serve. But there was an overall on a forehand, which was proved to be a correct overall by Hawkeye, which got Gilles Simon back to 30 all, which might have been two break points. Am I grasping at straws here? Because Gilles Simon was superb, wasn't he? Yeah, I have to say, I think you are grasping at straws a bit. And I, I feel a bit sorry for James Ward because he played pretty well today. It's just an awful matchup for him. I mean, all of those heroics he has performed in the past in Davis Cup, crucially, they've been against players that don't play long rallies, don't stay in those long rallies. I mean, that... I mean, he's never going to outlast Gilles Simon for patience. And uh, he wasn't able to... Gilles Simon wasn't enabling him to get the first strike in for him to play aggressively. And he's never going to beat Gilles Simon in a defensive game. So I just didn't really see any way for him to win today. Even in those tight moments, I just had a feeling of this just is not good for James Ward. It's a pretty terrible matchup for him. And I think... In the press conference afterwards, he was asked a lot about the crowd and why they sort of didn't get behind him more. And, and, it, and he said, well, the, you know, there wasn't a lot to get behind. And I, I think, actually, I think the crowd were pretty decent during that match, considering how one-sided I, I felt it was, really. As I say, throughout it, I never really thought James had much of a chance just because that matchup is horrible for him. Particularly if Gilles Simon is in that kind of form. And he was just immaculate from start to finish. And actually, Leon Smith, the captain of the British team, said as much, really. He said, we've, we've caught Gilles Simon at a tough time here. He is in pretty much the form of his life. Form of his life. Automatic pick for uh, for Sunday, I'd say. I mean, he has... Really? Been... Hold on a minute. What about Richard Gasquet? He could be subbed in. He was a semi-finalist at Wimbledon. I think he will be subbed in. I think he'll be subbed in for Joe Wilfred Songo. Oh, interesting. Curveballs. That's what's the beauty of the Davis Cup. All sorts of things can happen. The doubles selection could change tomorrow. We'll be talking about that in a moment. I asked uh, Arnaud Clement all about that as well. Now, that amped up the pressure, didn't it, on Andy Murray to, to a, an extraordinary level, really, because in the past when he's played uh, in the tie in Glasgow, he was able to get the point on the board. Then James Ward was able to come out without any of the pressure of leading things off. And the pressure was on Andy Murray this time, and he delivered. Yeah, he didn't act like a man with much pressure on his shoulders, didn't he? did he? I mean, uh, what is it about tennis and second set tie breaks at the moment? Because that is where all the drama is, isn't it? I mean, that match was all about the second set tie break in a way that actually the uh, Wimbledon final wasn't. It felt like it might have been at the time the hinge of the match, but it turned out not to be. But today I think it really was the hinge of the match and Songa could have got right back in it. But as it was, it was pretty deflating for him uh, to lose that. And then Murray just went through the gears, didn't he? How about the level, though, that, that Murray found in that second set tiebreak? Because Songa was hitting 137 mile an hour serves at him. I mean, that... That is tough to take on when the guy is clearly convulsing with energy and adrenaline, Songa, and Murray still managed to fend him off. He stayed very calm, didn't he? Because Songa was just pelting the ball at him, not just on the serve. He was being so aggressive. I mean, even when he was putting balls away at the net, he was swiping at them like a fly swat. He really was just... There was venom in it, as much venom as the, uh, the gentle giant Joe Wilfred Songa can put into anything. I think so. Uh, he did very. I mean, Leon Smith in the press conference described Andy's nails in that tiebreak. Uh, presumably, 
hard as nails being the uh, what he was getting at there and and absolutely he just was so calm throughout I, I don't know exactly how many set points he saved but I think it was a few and I think he took it on his fourth fourth set point himself and then uh, he got his just awards in the third didn't he because it just sucked all the life out of out of Songa he put so much into that tie break and even when there was just the brief wobble in the third set when Songa was starting to come on strong and he got a break back point the moment Murray saw off those break back points he just raced away for the win and also I got the sense to some degree that there was a bit of a a challenge out there to get it done as quickly as possible in straight sets, conserve energy for a potential doubles match tomorrow. We'll talk about that in a second. But first of all, let's hear from the French Davis Cup by BNP Paribas captain, Mr. Arno Clement. And I asked him how he saw things after day one. Yeah, it's kind of logic. Uh, you know, Andy Murray is, um, was favourite on this match against Joe. It was uh, close. The first one, it was very close. But he was a little bit better today, we have to admit it. And it was also the case for Gilles. Gilles was um, stronger than uh, James on the first match. And uh, it was a logic, uh, logic win for him. It's, uh, it sets things up very nicely for the doubles tomorrow. Big question marks about what the British team might do, whether they might choose Andy to play in the doubles. What, what are you expecting? It's, it's, it's tough to say, but you, you know, for us, it's not really important. We are very focused on our double, and uh, uh, we work this week um, for, for in, in our double, and I have a, still a few possibilities also for tomorrow, but um, we'll see. You know, We'll see tomorrow uh, who's going to be on the court for the, for the British team, and then I'm sure, and uh, of course, uh, if it's the first or the second choice, it's going to be a great team against us. At the moment, you have Richard and Nicola um, selected for your doubles team. When will you make that final decision, and how will you? How do you do it? Do you talk to them, or do you just say, "Right, this is the double team"? Maybe it's done. Maybe it's going to be done tonight. But uh, yeah, we'll, I'm going to have a little chat with everybody. I always uh, talk about my um, first idea, and uh, if everybody's fit, it's not going to change for for tomorrow. Yeah, from a long time now. Great day one. Thanks for your time. Thank you. So there's Arno Clement talking about uh, day one and saying that it's pretty logical that it would end one all uh, given the rankings of the respective players and taking it into the doubles. He says he's not overly concerned by the fact that Andy Murray may get subbed him. He clearly has plenty of confidence in his own team and who knows, he may change his own selections. It's Gasquet and Mahu as things stand. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason for him to be concerned. He's got a cracking doubles team. Um, it, I, I agree, even if Murray, Andy Murray does get subbed in. However, I do think Leon Smith will be the happier of the two captains. Yes, if you just go on, just look at who was the higher ranked in each match, it is as we expected it to be. However, I feel Songa had a lot more of a chance against Murray uh, to get a point there than James Ward did against Seymour. I feel like Ward against Seymour was the, the one that France really had in the bag uh, at the beginning of the day. And actually, I think they will be a little slightly disappointed in the way um, the match between uh, Songa and Murray went. Yeah, they wouldn't necessarily have been expecting a win, but I think that was less of a given than, than the first match. So actually, I think, um, though it's completely even, I think the slightly more content captain tonight will be Leon Smith. Now, it's been a cracking atmosphere, hasn't it, here at the Queen's Club? My word. I saw uh, the chairman of the Queen's Club, Tim Cockcroft, and uh, the chief executive of the Queen's Club, Mr Andrew Stewart, both of them wearing 
union flag blazers and people were wearing uh, union flag bow ties and, and neckties. It was fantastic. It made me wonder whether I'd missed uh, the dress code notification. Well, you're, you, you can't. You're working for the ITF this week, so you weren't allowed to show any allegiance no matter what. And even I, as somebody working for the BBC here, wasn't allowed. But I do feel a bit left out. I know exactly what you mean. Now, Catherine, remember our argument the other week about who's the biggest tennis fan out of you and me? Me, by the way. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. By the way, my dad listened to that and his only feedback on it was uh, we, what we should be saying is who is the bigger, bigger tennis fan of the two of us. So grammatical correction there to please my dad. Well, I'm the bigger of everything, really, physically and the bigger tennis fan. Well, that was all based around BNP Paribas' quest to find and train the next generation of tennis fans, the We Are Tennis Fan Academy, here at the Great Britain versus France Davis Cup by BNP Paribas. Ty uh, sees 50 fans from each country chosen by John McEnroe, remember that, for their supporting prowess, trained and unleashed here at the Queen's Club. We'll let you hear what they sound like in a minute, but first, here's Sebastian Gearday, head of brand and sponsorship from BMP Power to tell us all about it. We uh, decided to uh, select some fans to come uh, in the stand today for the Davis Cup by BNP Paribas. So we selected 50 French fans and 50 British fans. They arrived yesterday in London and uh, we trained them uh, during all the day. And uh, I think today they are ready to uh, support their team and to help them to win uh, uh, the two matches today. They had to be uh, quizzed by John McEnroe, didn't they, in order to get these jobs? Exactly. They have 20 seconds in live with John McEnroe to convince him that they have the potential to integrate the Weird Tennis Fan Academy. So that's why they are here. And I hope that uh, they will be uh, good to uh, support their team and uh, John will be happy with uh, all the jobs that they will do during the weekend. It's all about creating a great atmosphere, though, here at the Davis Cup, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Just to... Uh, gives the opportunity to the fans to uh, have uh, the best seats and to be very close of the player and to support them and to show them that uh, they are really behind them to help them to win uh, uh, during uh, this weekend. So we will see who will win, 
but uh, I'm sure that the atmosphere will be uh, unbelievable. Excellent. Do we think we can get them to give me a song? Three, two, one. Oh, when the Brits go marching in, oh, when the Brits go marching in, I want to be in that number, oh, when the Brits go marching in, oh, when the Brits go Blimey, they both sound pretty good, don't they? It was a cracking atmosphere here today, wasn't it? It certainly was. Hang on, I'm alarmed to see that. Did I did I not win the BMP Paribas Fan Academy? No, did, were we not officially entered? No, no, I mean, there's clearly 50 better from both nations than you and I, but there we are. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. I have to say, I think it's an absolutely fantastic thing. I think at Queen's, when you explained to me the... Um, the strategy and it, you know what was going on I didn't quite appreciate how it would look and feel in practice and it was sensational today it was like a football match they were they were chanting at one another in in the most you know pleasing um, it was cordial, wasn't it? It was cordial, it was innocuous, but it was it was fantastic. And my favourite moment of the day was Greg Rosetsky getting up there, conducting those fans and getting slightly caught underneath the uh, great the Union Jack flag, which was being uh, being held aloft by all of them. That was my favourite moment of the day. <laughs> Absolutely. When uh, the French team won the first set in the uh, Simon Ward match, they actually had the uh, the French flag going over the heads of all of the, the French supporters, didn't they? It really did make for for a good atmosphere out there and also they got to bring a brass band in including a massive great big, big brass tuba I haven't seen a tuba in a while yeah I mean I think all sporting events could be improved with a tuba that's what I've learned from today can I have one of those for Christmas <laughs> yeah if you can fit one in your house I think you need to, might need to build an extension uh, absolutely now I'd tomorrow love, I'd love to know how they got that on the Eurostar that's my burning question well, tennis fans you know they're flexible uh, tomorrow Catherine we have uh, the doubles and really I think a lot of people think that this tie rests on that doubles tie doesn't it and what do you think is going to happen? I mean, Arno Clement was keeping his cards close to his chest. I think Andy Murray's probably going to get the nod. I think Andy Murray has to play. I think it'll... Sorry, sorry, James Ward. I think he'll play well again. I just think it's a too big an ask um, for him to beat, you know, let's say it's Gasquet. It's just too big an ask for him. And again, that's not a good matchup for him. Um I think he has to play the doubles. What's the point in getting this far and putting what he put into it today if you're not going to give it the full the full effort? And the full effort, frankly, is Andy Murray playing with his brother in the doubles. So I think I do think it would actually be a terrible shame if he didn't. I would completely respect the decision. I, I, I think if Leon Smith doesn't make that decision, I've no doubt it'll be because Andy doesn't feel in the right shape or too tired or whatever. But I think... All those things aside, all other things being equal, he has to play because I can't really see any scenario where where Britain wins without winning the doubles. It was quite interesting here, Andy Murray actually say talking about his singles record against uh, the three players, the three singles players on the French team, Simon Gasquet and Songa, and saying basically on grass, I I beat them all pretty much every time I've played. I think there was one challenger match he played against Songa when he was about 12 years old. But 
generally speaking, he's had their measure on a grass court, and he's he actually said, you know, we've we've got to find another point from somewhere. That that shows how confident he is of actually being. I mean, I know he will he'll give total respect to the opposition, and he he knows he'll have to come out and play a very strong match on Sunday. But he thinks he's going to going to win that singles and. Well, there it is. It's either James pulls out another rabbit from another hat and he's done it before or not leaving any of that to chance, it's in the doubles. Why would you leave that to chance, though? Why would you do that? I mean, this is a quarterfinal. What, as I say, what's the point in putting in what they've put in so far and, and holding something back? Um, and yes, Andy Murray's tired. You know, he has he did was very open in press today. He said, he said, I'm not sort of physically tired from that match, but I am generally very tired. But he's got some time off after this. He's just two more matches. You know, it's people do it all the time in Grand Slams. You know, two singles matches on alternate days and then a doubles match in between. It, it's it's doable in the short term, and I I think he has to. I think he hasn't he hasn't wanted to be too bullish about it for two reasons because it's. It's in the end the captain's decision and, and uh, he doesn't want to uh, step on Leon Smith's toes. But also I don't think he wants to disrespect Dom Inglot, who as it stands is named in that team and is a very good doubles player. But he hasn't had the best of years and come on, I mean, the Murray brothers is is the preferred team if they're available and willing. I'd say. Obviously Jamie Murray did reach the Wimbledon final. Uh, just in fact as the covers have just come onto the centre court here, the grass court, and they've been inflated so they're just billowing in front of us like a, an ocean and it's waves just rising and falling in front of us and the court getting ready for tomorrow. Now, we've talked about maybe the, the final rubbers on the final day of this time might be fairly straightforward. We should perhaps consider what has happened on day one in Australia because that shows that anything can happen. Two players, Tanasi Kakanakis and Nick Kyrgios, two players that we think an awful lot of who have much higher rankings than their opponents from Kazakhstan, both lost. Love two down after day one. That was a big shock. Yeah, Kazakhstan, potential, uh, or th at this moment, likely Davis Cup semi-finalist. Just amazing. Uh, just amazing. I mean, I, I still think it's it's finely balanced because um, I think they're putting, what, Sam Groth and Leighton Hewitt in for the doubles. No, no given that. And it'll be very interesting to see where they switch things up for the singles. Would it be damaging to Tanasi Kokonakis to swap him out of the team you know would would that sort of make it mentally a bigger deal than it actually was for him to lose yesterday and I think actually Kokonakis losing to uh, Kukushkin not that big a deal Kyrgios losing to Nadovyazov that's letting the side down a little bit I'd say especially as he um, he did have opportunities in that match but we know Nick Kyrgios is you know he's he's a work in progress isn't he, he is and he could just as easily come out and and win his reverse singles and, and play like a dream. He could, he could. So do you do you gamble on them or do you put in uh, Sam Groth where you know what you're going to get? It, you know, he might not be a world beater, but you do know what you're going to get with him. Uh, it is a grass court. It's uh, purpose. I mean, it would just be devastating for the Aussies. They've purpose built this grass court on a car park in Darwin. You know, they've talk about tailoring it to their needs. They, they, really should be winning this tie but good on Kazakhstan but it just goes to show doesn't it in the Davis Cup 
anything can happen. I mean, any sporting event, anything can happen. But we've seen this so many times in the Davis Cup, of course. Now, in the other half of the draw, so that could no, it'll either be France or Britain against either Australia or Kazakhstan in the semi-finals. In the other half of the Davis Cup draw, uh, Belgium in total command at the moment against Canada in Ostend, 2-0 up overnight. Uh, David Goffin uh, and they're leading their team to that 2-0 triumph, that 2-0 lead, and they're looking good. Yeah, as uh, they are, and David Goffin is a, a really underrated player at the moment, I think, and a t- tremendous servant for Belgium. But um, I do, I do just feel so terribly sorry for Canada in that time. I mean, Frank Dancevich put up a pretty strong defence today, uh, did all he could, but it, it just wasn't enough against just a stronger so I mean it's just I mean it's not really the Canadian side is it it's uh it's devastating for them and meanwhile the winner of that tie will face either Argentina or Serbia that's being played in Buenos Aires on indoor clay at the moment and after the first rubber it is one love to Argentina and victory for Leonardo Maya against Filip Krajanovic and then in the second rubber which is still underway at the moment Viktor Trojicki just as you said went two sets to love up but the comeback is on because Del Bonis has won set three, six games to four and is two up in in the fall. So all still to play for. And it really is an exciting prospect over the next couple of days. The Davis Cup weekend is well underway after day one. We will be back for more here on the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We're supported by BNP Paribas, the bank for a changing world. And we will be back with more on Saturday. 